Hello, Bonesai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonesai, and welcome to episode 43 of Little Things for Bonesai People, the podcast. And uh, this time I'm joined by Carmen Leskovianski over at the uh, Curtigas. Am I saying that right? Curtigas? Yeah. Yeah. Curtigas yeah. Uh, Garden. She's apprenticing with Michael Hagedorn. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's, uh, it's, 104 most days right now oh my god it just no, won't thank stop you. and it That's hasn't scary. rained it hasn't rained in over a month it's insane this is like they're i think they're predicting this will probably be one of the longest droughts we've had oh in a gosh. very long time that's crazy um people in baton rouge louisiana are being told that they can't water their gardens anymore oh my gosh yeah it's i don't know what's going on it's like it's like a freaking desert out here um mm. so no offense to anybody that lives in like desert climates. Desert climates are beautiful, but Louisiana is definitely a wetlands. Just saying. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you're supposed to live um, in a wetland, and there's no wetland, then it's a problem. So. Yeah, the alligators are just gonna have to swim into the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I don't know where they're gonna go. <laughs> you're uh, just gonna have like alligator jerky because they're all just gonna be like lying. They're all on the. <laughs> they're already roasted, basically. Ugh, gross. Uh, the definition of if you don't water your trees here. The definition of getting your trees roasted it has a like a real reality right now mm-hmm. um so anyway we're going to talk about a couple of different things on this episode um i know that we talked about watering a little bit on the previous episode with seth nelson we had him for a guest uh carmen wasn't around for that one so uh she's on this episode obviously so i know that carmen's got some uh rules of thumb to like your to apply to your green thumb for watering your bonsai, because uh, she has a education in horticulture, so she probably knows a lot more than me and Mike when it comes to that side. So we'll get her opinions on that. And then uh, we had a, another like listener question pertaining to running a bonsai nursery, the ins and outs of it. Um, we'll get Mike later on to kind of cap, you know, kind of go through this. Uh, from my understanding, uh, Mike worked at Weigert's for a very long time. Uh, I manage the nursery that I work for, so it's a little bit different. I'm not saying it's any better. It's actually worse. It's worse of an experience, <laughs> but it's still bone size, so it still matters. So, uh, but yeah, before we get to those topics today, I want to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons, which our questions came from today over on patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people. Uh, we always like to shout out our patrons at the beginning of our episodes because they're the people who make this show happen. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Starting our list off with Tori Solis, Vicky Auth, Warehouse Rat, Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chappers, Ryan Giordano, Joel Jenkins, Joel Knight, Joel Knight, Justin Knight, <laughs> Backyard Bonsai Australia, Green Witch Gardens, which uh, congratulations on that best in show win. Yeah, seriously. That was awesome. Taylor Peacock, Chase Pertweet, Austin Atkins, Karen Codswell, Urin Bone, Urin Bonsai Nursery, uh, Lewis Torres, AC Castle, and Bonsai Marine. Um, let me double check, make sure we don't have any other new patrons waiting. Really quick. Um, we for a moment there we were getting uh we were getting a couple of patrons. Uh, I felt like every every week uh, was very awesome to see that. So thank you guys so much for the support. Um. But yeah, and then before I go any further, I always have to mention Matt 
I know sometimes I mention him in the beginning, sometimes I mention in the end, and then, you know, uh, we need to get Matt back on for an episode just to hang out. But Matt's our editor. His name's Matt O'Donnell. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He edits all of our episodes, makes us sound smart, cleans up every episode, makes it digestible and listable for our listeners. And um, yeah, he's just an all-around awesome guy. If you want to go over to mattodonnell.com, that's O-D-O-N-N-E-L-L for his last name.com. You can go to his contact form and you can start your own podcast show with him or get some music engineer work with him because he also is a set bassist. He's a uh, on his time that he has the jobs he travels and plays music it's pretty awesome i wish i could travel and you mean like i mean like travels like i was gonna say hold on wait a second you travel i mean yeah yeah like travel but like yeah for bonsai but uh but it's i don't know i, I know it's, it's different going around playing music yeah i had this... I say that like i know i don't know i don't play music <laughs> yeah we were just talking about a second ago how uh how we were talking about karaoke and carmen's like i can't do karaoke you can talk about playing music i don't like to sing in front of people Singing in front of people, I found recently, is something that it's enlightening to me now. I used like ten years ago, like yeah, you would never caught me like on the stage of a karaoke bar like singing. But I mean, uh, I guess if you're at a karaoke bar to sing karaoke, like everybody's everybody's there and everybody's gonna sing and everybody's gonna be like probably not great. So that's that's different. I guess that's everybody knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then you have people I guess in that situation. I could probably, I could probably do it. Yeah. I mean, and it takes a few drinks or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, give me a couple gin and tonics and I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be able to, to handle that. I'll do whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Th- as far as singing goes, like I remember, um, I remember this happened like a year ago because I got married a year ago. Um, me and Caitlin had for our rehearsal dinner, we did a karaoke bar right after. Oh, um, and I was like, I guess I'm, you know, I'm going to just gonna do this. And ever since then, I've just been like a fan of it. Um, me and some of my friends actually seeked out a place, a traditional Japanese cuisine and sushi restaurant that has like the private rooms in the back for karaoke. Um, hmm. That's like a thing. It's I know in ja- in Japan, it's I mean, karaoke, that's where karaoke uh, originated from. Remember, there was this really sweet uh, sentiment about karaoke. The, the person who created karaoke. Hold on. Daisuke Inui, I think that's how you say it. Um, I butchered his name, but it's a Japanese name, <laughs> nonetheless. But uh, he created karaoke, the karaoke machine back in 1971. And I remember hearing a quote, somebody said that uh, he, he did it purely from the fact that he just wanted people to be able to sing because he feels like it's one of the more important things you can do. Um, so that was just really cool. But yeah. Uh, this is now a, a podcast about karaoke, so I'll tell you guys about the best places to go sing and different. Now, uh, I'm I'm not even that. What's great your favorite at karaoke song? Oh man, I had a lot of fun singing um, Stone Sour's "Behind Glass" because mm, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I know it's just a really tacky song, um, <laughs> and it's just it's a super unrelatable song for me because I've never been incarcerated like that before, so. <laughs> um but the it the the tone of of um Corey's Corey, i can't remember his last name Corey is from slipknot this is other music he's been in uh mm-hmm. his the tone of his voice it's very easy for me to like get a handle on that so i'm not mm-hmm. like straining myself yeah um i would love to sing like like the kill by 30 seconds to mars but i just mm-hmm. absolutely just brutalize the song with my super medium <laughs> 
tone. <laughs> I can't get I can't get Jared Little J- Jared Little uh, highs out of that. So mm-hmm. we'll just mm-hmm. let him sing that. Um, yeah. But if you were to do karaoke, Carmen, what do you feel like would be the song <clears throat> that would help you get into it? Because I know you said like you're really, really yeah. at you know anxious about it. Well, and you know that's funny because when I was a kid, um, a couple of my cousins had karaoke machines, and we like um, sang a lot, and our poor families had to deal with it. So um, it was more like screaming, right? uh maybe um (laughs) (laughs) i don't know um hmm give you a moment to think about it i'm sure you can come back around to it (laughs) yeah yeah i mean when i was young i used to sing a lot of evanescence you know so oh that's classic we'll we'll go classic like the the bring me to life one yeah that's what or um i don't know maybe i could get into some some disney songs like let it go i could i could do that yeah, I could be Elsa for a second. <laughs> There's no way I could do that. Are you a, are you a Disney adult? Um, no, oh God, no, 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 no offense to anybody who might be. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was joking. Uh, with oh my, God, no. <laughs> my group of friends that we normally play, uh, we normally play Magic together, and uh, Disney Lorcana just came out, which is a card game that is oh, like boy. a, it's like a imitator of popular other popular card games, and it's. It's crazy to me that this didn't happen sooner, but I feel like they were setting it up. But yeah, yeah. but I don't know if a lot of Disney adults would be into that kind of RPG, you know, like, oh, it's not an RPG. It's a TCG. Get it right. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Like that. that, No, 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 no. That's the tabletop nerd coming out in me. But, uh, but no, I'm I'm glad to know the correct terminology. Yes. We're here to learn. TCG is a card game you can trade with your friends. It's oh, not a okay. pre-constructed okay. board game. Okay. 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 It's not a phase. Okay. okay. God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Lorcana, the, the, the cards sold cool. out immediately. Like, they couldn't even fill orders for the card game. I thought wow. that was kind of funny. Not funny. It's just, that's just the way things are now. Everybody thinks that all these things are going to be super valuable. Like, I remember seeing a Mickey card that mm. was like a promo, and it's like mint condition. Um PSA graded like 9.5 is $5,000. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's going to stay around that price for sure. You know, Post Malone just bought the one ring from the Magic Magic the Gathering set for 2 million bucks. Now all that's hype. Everything's like super hyped up right now. And it's just, it's going to foil out in a couple of years. I might be, I might be super wrong now. But anyway, back to Bonsai. Let's talk about Bonsai. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah, that was a little little too sidebar. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so watering, uh, me and Mike and Seth Nelson were talking about watering for a second because it was a question, listener question for a moment. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember you saying something about whenever you water, it replaces certain molecules in the, uh, oh, in yeah. the soil. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about watering during um, like um, it was it was really, really hot last week it was it hit 105 here in portland which was the first time that's happened this summer um usually we have a few days or you know a, a week or two of really really hot weather in the summertime and um a lot of times during that period the trees will shut down so you know the first day they're like oh my god i'm so thirsty and so you water a lot mm-hmm. but then by the second or third day of that extreme heat a lot of the pots don't totally dry down um 
but we do water thoroughly at least once a day anyway um and then you know cool off the trees by spraying them down throughout the day um as well but uh we were talking about um the reason we continue we we water thoroughly during that period is to force a gas exchange so when you're watering you're not just applying water to the roots for the plant to absorb but as the water flows through the soil there um, the gravity pulls it out and replaces all of that airspace um, that the water has filled with oxygen you know with whatever with with air so that force it that that just replenishes the soil with um oxygen not just water um which you know is something that the plants need to respire because through the roots they're not just taking up water they're taking up <clears throat> oxygen and stuff for for respiration so they can go through their photosynthesis and whatever other physiological processes that are happening there also especially during that heat you know the water in the pots gets hot because the pots themselves get hot because the trees are sitting out in 105 degree weather so hmm. um, it just allows for some cooling of the roots too uh, just to keep the whole the whole tree a little bit cooler yeah i think watering is one of the most interesting things about bonsai as far as mm -hmm. one of the things that people get into doing this and they just really don't consider like what it's going to take mm -hmm. um it really is one of the unfortunate things that beginners like true beginners that get into it i've had a lot of people come into the nursery and ask me what's the general care of this plant and i say you have to water this plant and that just seems so obvious to me and you mm -hmm. now having doing having done this for as long as we have and when i tell people i'm like oh yeah you gotta water it you know and they're like oh okay like once a week mm -hmm. and i can't tell you how many times i've heard that or i have somebody come in and their their tree is struggling yeah. and i'll say how often do you water this where do you keep it at what is your what are you fertilizing it mm -hmm. are usually the basic questions i start with and they're always like right. They're like, wait, I have to water this every day. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and and it's just, that's that's part of it. I mean, a lot of people who have houseplants, mm -hmm. uh, houseplants need to be in a different category. Um, mm -hmm. Containerized growing is just an umbrella for all this stuff. And usually houseplants, when you buy them, it's recommended that you put them in a very organic soil mix that stays wetter mm -hmm. for much longer. Um, also, our potted plants are not growing at the rate and have the same type of requirements that, let's say, like a bonsai, which traditionally bonsai trees are trees and shrubs, and trees and shrubs have a lot more of a demanding uh, mm -hmm. watering regimen than a mm -hmm. fully, purely foliage, uh, not wood hardy plant. Right. Um, so, I mean, and and that, I, I don't know a terrible amount about just like let's say like um most common just like when you think about the most common house plant of all time what do you think mm -hmm. like a peace lily like a, yeah, or like a, a pothos vine you know like everybody's go. got everybody's got that christmas cactus you know? yeah awesome yeah good examples because all of those are mm -hmm. different species and they all have different requirements they can um, all they can all stand a full wilt you can put them in your sink and water them and they will come back and i know that from experience because if you're a house plant <laughs> and you're living in my house you have to be able to do that or you don't get to live here yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of you kind of just wait until it's your turn 
<laughs> you're I'm like busy, you give a so signal you can wait <laughs> you're second all, rate citizen here all the bone sigh are getting taken care of if you give me the sign you give me your 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 telltale sign that you're mm-hmm. on remind the- me you exist and i will water you <laughs> uh but yeah house plants unfortunately get lumped in with bonsai and vice versa for bonsai Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you're saying the thing about watering and replacing oxygen, I think that's a really good thing mm-hmm. to think about because a lot of the stuff that people get into bonsai with, um, it just takes it and puts bonsai into a different perspective, a different thought and, tr- mm-hmm. and just way that you conceptualize this plant. It's no longer just a plant. It's right. It's everything that pertains pertains uh, to to the maintenance and the caring for this tree, which that means that the 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 soil, the roots, the leaves, the the new extensions of buds, all those things you have to account for. All those things you have to think about. All those things because when you water, I think about when I water about what you said, the cooling, like whenever mm-hmm. it's a hundred degrees outside. If I know it's a hundred and my trees may be saturated still, I will still go water them because not because they're thirsty, because a lot of mm-hmm. them are just they're dormant because it's too hot. Yeah, they're not actually they're growing. just sitting there. Yeah. And I've seen root damage from boiled roots. Mm-hmm. And in turn, you can see it right away because then your your tree will take its weakest branch on that sector of the root system and start dropping its leaves. Mm-hmm. So those are usually telltale signs or um, something me and you were talking about earlier in the week was over fertilization mm-hmm. on certain species during certain times of the year will also reflect yeah. weak leaves on sections of trees. Mm-hmm. So as far as fertilizing trees right now, I get that question a lot. Yeah. Um, what's your approach on fertilizing trees in the summertime? Um, summer's a good time to fertilize in general. Um, you know, after the leaves have hardened off, and you know you're not going to risk the fertilizer creating you know those big long inner nodes or whatever and fertilizing this time of year allows for the plant to replenish what it used in the spring it allows for just basic plant maintenance and then the plant can also you know put some away into creating those buds and flower buds and whatever for next year but the thing to a lot of times folks will say to stop fertilizing in the summer because your your plant goes dormant um and you know they're not using it so don't bother which you know there's a bit of a point there but i mean i wouldn't say to if you have a slow release on your plant you know you don't really have to remove it because the plant just won't absorb it and it's really hard to remove a slow release you know pellet or something unless you have it in a tea bag or in a little you know plastic fertilizer basket thing um if you're doing liquid fertilizer i still would recommend doing a a, a low dose um mm. regularly just you know for plant maintenance um but i think if you're going to ramp up your fertilizer fall is a better time to <clears throat> kind of ramp it up when the when there's more root growth happening when the plant is actively storing stuff for fall um the plant will use more of it at that time of year um when it's out of summer dormancy but i i, I don't ever really recommend not fertilizing at all um you know unless your tree's really weak or you just repotted then usually you give them a little bit of a break but um there's still i think a value in in fertilizing 
um, throughout the year, just because they're, you know, you're watering so much, you're flushing a lot of that out as you water, um, especially if you're just doing liquids. Um, and, you know, trees require nutrients for, you know, general physiological function. So providing something is useful. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a general kind of just rule of thumb with, uh, with fertilizing is just don't really ever stop. You mm-hmm. know, you should be fertilizing yeah. to some degree. That's yeah. basically what I'm gathering from what you're saying as well. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can always fertilize a low dose, you know, I feel like a low dose is better than if you're unsure, just do a low dose. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's better to provide something because our soils, the soils that we're using don't hold as much nutrients as, um, you know, the organic soils, there's not as much nutrients in them because of, I mean, they're, they're not technically soil. They're like, they're particles. They're, Mm -hmm. um, like rock components. Essentially they're not actually organic soil particles. So, it's it's different than what you'd put a house plant in or what's in your backyard. Um, so you have to really provide those nutrients. Um, I'd actually really love to see a study because different soil particles hold on to nutrients um, at different levels. And I'd really love to see what um, how Akadama, because it's a clay particle, how it would hold on to nutrients over time. Um, there's probably been studies done on pumice because it's much more commonly used in you know all different kinds of potting mixes, but I haven't seen any studies on on Akadama, but um, yeah, that'd be really interesting. So we should do a little research and see what's out there. Yeah, um, there. I I know of a few other people who have the claims to some research on Akadama when it hmm. comes to mm-hmm. um, to fertilize. I mean, nutrient retention and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure it has benefit. But then again, this is yeah. all science stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, clay particles. So when you're talking about so soil science is a whole a whole thing. And if you are interested in it, you know, um, I would definitely recommend just you know grabbing a book on plant physiology or um, horticulture or soil science. You know, just like the very basic beginner book that goes over pH, um, electrical conductivity, and you know how water. React or how water interacts with particles and itself, and um, how soils hold on to nutrients, that kind of thing. Um, because that'll give you kind of a, a general idea of, you know, what you're doing when you fertilize and how and why different soil particles hold on to nutrients differently. And clay particles tend to hold on to more nutrients than something like a sand. So I imagine the Akadama has a better nutrient holding capacity than the pumice. Um, but I don't know how that relates to something like an organic particle mm. from like a, you know, from compost or something like that. And I'm sure lava is a little bit different. So, and that all has to do with, you know, what they're composed of chemically and blah, blah, blah. And here we go into the science wormhole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could. Like you said, there's, there's, there could be a whole research on this, like, and mm-hmm. like you said, just doing the basic skim through a horticultural textbook and you could pick up, uh, I mean, I think I have a few at the nursery. They're just sitting around. You can pick up mm-hmm. horticulture textbooks from used bookstores and stuff. They might be a little, little pricey, some editions of them, mm-hmm. um, but that's always good to have sitting around in your library of of different books and stuff. Uh, right. 
So. And that's just soil. That's not even talking about, you know, water oh. hardness versus softness versus electrical conductivity versus pH. Like there's all these different things that go into watering. And that's just the the chemical side that doesn't even include when you get into the biological side of of soil of what kind of bacteria and fungi and all other kinds of things are living in there and what they're doing and how they're interacting with roots and and then how does the root absorb nutrient you know it's just it's a it's a whole thing there there was a video that i watched a good while back where michael was uh giving a tour of his garden mm. um and it was for bonsai oh man bonsai empire and he did mm-hmm. he did a video a while back um and then he brought up his watering situation mm-hmm. about water water hardiness oh and, water hardiness yeah mm-hmm. and um and so he runs a and i i would like to do this i've just been i haven't got around to it but mm-hmm. michael in, introduces something in for ph levels yes correct yep yeah so we are um i don't know so much about what our water hardness is here and so that's really water hardness is the amount of dissolved um, particles in your water. So if you live like back in Michigan, Michigan's pretty much like limestone, right? So Hmm. we have pretty hard water. Um, There's a lot of calcium in the water and the pH is pretty high, um, usually over seven, somewhere in the eights. I don't know exactly what the hardness is here, but I know our pH right out of the tap is usually around eight. Um, or 8.5, which is still pretty high. So we lower our pH using um, acetic acid, which is just which is just vinegar, um, and down to about 6.5-ish. And what that does, if you look at a scale of, you know, commonly absorbed plant nutrients um, and how they are absorbed on in a plant uh, based on water pH, usually between 6, six and 7, so about 6.5, is optimum for each of the nutrients, the macronutrients that plants need. So at 6.5, your plant is able to absorb most the most nutrients that it needs. So um, by lowering your pH, you're allowing maximum nutrient uptake for your plant. Yeah, um, that was that's something that is kind of challenging to kind of wrap my brain around sometimes is pH Mm -hmm. levels can directly relate to nutrient uptake in plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I usually tell people that it's safe for most of the species that I work with here Mm -hmm. that 6.5 and seven, Mm -hmm. like if you're hovering in between that range, then that's a great range. Yep. Most of our plants are here are good. Mm -hmm. Um, now I know there's a couple of species like wisteria and crepe myrtles that will like naturally adjust their pH levels themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've I've stuck a pH uh, reader into a soil of of a tree, and I've gotten six point five seven on some of them, and then um, I'll stick it into a crepe myrtle, and I haven't changed anything mm-hmm. about that tree's soil watering fertilizer, nothing, and it's like right at like five it's weird it's crazy yeah. how they do that um mm-hmm. but i mean it's kind of like some some trees are just able to adapt and change those things for themselves um mm-hmm. like yopan hollies kind of have this thing where they prefer a, a lower ph because they usually hang out in areas where 
they're amongst pine trees with lots of pine needle mm -hmm. litter. And um, I've even seen things where they say that Yopon Hollies will do a defense mechanism where they'll make a hydro, hydro, uh, hydrophobic oil that will protect them from overwatering and hmm. breaking down of, of soils around their their root mass. So, I mean, plants are capable of making adjustments and doing things not necessarily for themselves. We still need to take a big hand and 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 getting them to that point where they can do a sustainable uh, right. thing in their soil. And kind mm -hmm. of one of the things that we we talk about for um, for Underhill is that in our soil mix is we try to like tell people that it's a a living soil mm -hmm. is what you kind of want to think about your soil as. You don't want to just go in there and say, oh, I'm going to just throw fertilizer here in here and it's just going to do its thing. And because if you go too hard on synthetic fertilizers, you tend to nuke mm -hmm. uh, micronutrients. And yep. and beneficial bacteria and stuff, so mm -hmm. it's a power struggle. It's not a power struggle. It's a new. It's a nutrient struggle. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. I and the, the funniest thing about bonsai soil is that it's technically soilless. So we're calling something a soil that actually has no soil. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I tell people all the time it's a void. Mm -hmm. It it's is a, a literal void. Yeah, so. there's there's not much there. Um, and one other thing about about summertime and watering, um, <clears throat> if you're going to get fertilizer burn on your plants, this is one of the times you're going to see it. And a lot of times that happens when your soil gets too dry, not when mm -hmm. not necessarily when you're adding too much um, fertilizer that can also do it. But what happens is if you're thinking about, um, oh, gosh, we're going to get sciencey here. So if you're thinking about That's osmosis. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about osmosis, right? So imagine you have a permeable membrane in the middle, right? And you have a root on one side and then your soil mix on the other side. And so nutrients will get taken up into the root because there's what less of a concentration of those nutrients over here, right? So it the soil or the the nutrients can go across the membrane into the root. Um now, what happens if your soil gets too dry and you have too much fertilizer in the soil is that there's um, there's this imbalance where there's not enough water to how, how do I explain this? It dehydrates your plant essentially, which is which is what causes a fertilizer burn. So because the the plant is trying to equalize the nutrient um concentration on both sides of the root membrane so it will actually let go of water to try and dilute the solution on the other side which dehydrates your plant causes fertilizer burn so does that make any sense yeah because i heard it has to do a lot with cat cation exchange right right which is which is the the um the essentially nutrient exchange with um the different particles are are charged differently right so through this permeable membrane because there's more water on the root side when there's too much fertilizer on the outside the the nutrients on the outside pull out that water instead of the other way where it's supposed to go into the root it goes out of the root and then causes and then it's the burn. replaced with pure so, fertilizer which can burn the piss out of the tree well it's mostly dehydration which causes oh. like your, you know your burned edges um so it's not like true burn. it's not actually like burn burn I, I think it's more dehydration i don't i don't know 
I can't I need to I need to reread my textbook here but um that, but no, yeah it makes more so, sense because that's another reason why you you water when it's hot you know you don't let your pot get super super dry because you're way more likely to get a burn at that point mm. um rather than if you keep your soil a little bit moist so and that's why some people you'll hear some people recommend that you don't fertilize your trees too much in the summertime or yeah. they'll mm-hmm. even recommend they'll recommend that you just pretty much just taper off and kind of mm-hmm. just stop for the hottest parts yeah because from your trees not using it very much and then you risk burn so mm-hmm. and there's probably some present in your soil mm-hmm. just waiting there so if you fertilize on top of that it's just an overload right um and so, yeah, the cut that that's one of the ways that I kind of conceptualize it. Make it it makes more sense to me when I think about cation exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it's like a bank. Yeah. So you they're they're trading. So it's just like, oh, I need to take make a deposit. I'm going to give this water back in exchange for fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, and like what you I'm gathering from what you're saying is like if there's nothing to give, there's just fertilizer. And fertilizer yeah. isn't it's H2O. just gonna take. Yeah, yeah, it's just going to take water. So yeah, like ultimately it's like a balance of water on so they're they're trading. I like the trading thing. And ultimately they're trying to be like equal, right? Cuz if yep. if there's an equal charge or equal nutrients and water on each side, nothing's going to happen. And yeah. so it's this imbalance that pushes water and nutrients through plants into soil into you know, it's like yeah. It's like when tra- it's like transpiration, you know, it's like the plant is sucking up water and releasing it into the atmosphere. And so when, you know, your humidity is the same as, or when you have high humidity, transpiration stops because there's no pole for that water and everything's, you know, kind of equal on both sides. And so you don't really so want that because then your plant's not doing anything. But so comparison, like your, your window and your home to see that transpiration is kind of like the it's kind of like the membrane to the root mm-hmm. so it's kind of a loose analogy there um yeah well i think you can think about nutrient uptake a lot like you think about transpiration right like the plant is constantly pulling water up and it goes out to the mm-hmm. sky so your roots are constantly pulling up water and nutrients from your soil but mm-hmm. at some point they might not need anymore because they might have the same amount that's in the soil and then it might stop. So by purposefully flushing it or adding nutrients or putting water in, you're forcing some kind of exchange there by changing your ratios. I have a little bit of a, just a curious question about that, about sure. water being released um, is so a lot of the water, there's a lot of water uptake with plants. So when they mm-hmm. release it, is it released mostly through their, their leaves? Yeah. Correct. And so mm-hmm. how do you know the percentage of how much of that is H2O converted to C C2? CO or is it, is it CO2? C, CO2, um, yeah. No, so yeah. it takes CO2 from well, I guess it releases some CO2 also. Um I don't I have to I'd have to look at the photosynthesis formula again to look. Yeah. I don't remember. I was supposed to memorize that in school and I memorized it for the exam and like <laughs> nobody's ever asked me that in like 10 years. So Yeah, it's fine. Um, no, I, I don't know the ratio of of how much comes out. And I think it differs for each plant as well. Um, There's different ratios of how much oxygen versus whatever else comes out of the leaf. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Because we, most people who take in uh, biology 
in college. And if you remember from high school, we'll know that uh, CO2 goes into plants in exchange for H2O. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, but it, we're, since we're getting so uh, sciencey here, which I know for some of the beginners out there, if this is the first episode you've listened to, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but also at the same time, <laughs> Uh, this is what this is what we're doing here is just talking about plants. And I mean, these are things that I know it, for me for a long time, when I first got into bonsai, I didn't want to learn nomenclature on Latin names. I didn't want to learn photosynthesis. I didn't want to learn how fertilizer worked. I was just like, I just want to grow my tree, man. I'm not worried about all this crap. And then you have to worry about it. That's the whole, have to. That's the yeah. whole thing. And you can't be cool forever and be like, ah, I'm not going to school. You know, Whatever, science is Science is cool. Okay, I have the I have the photosynthesis formula. Are you okay. ready? Yeah, go ahead. Well, hold on. This isn't here. It is six carbon dioxide plus twelve water plus the sun's energy and chlorophyll yield C six H two O six through sugars plus six H two O, which is water, and six oxygen. So it releases about hmm. half of the water. It looks like based off of this formula which is just the most very basic of the formulas. It looks like it releases about half the water it takes up and it uses about half of the water for. Um... Interesting. Yeah. Because that's, that's something that's kind of been bouncing around in my brain. Um, my, my smooth brain that just knows basic things <laughs> and not, not the developing bonsai brain that I have. Um, just like, if you're watering and watering and i've heard the thing it's like it's kind of like with fertilizer if you're fertilizing a lot of it flushes through how much of it actually is getting used how much of the water is getting used um so just kind of gives you a better understanding of how those systems work mm -hmm. um i know that there are bonsai well not bonsai i mean there are some bonsai 101 things but there's like horticulture 101s classes that have just been posted to youtube and stuff there's mm -hmm. There's some literature posted online where I think, and there are like a website where you can go and just read. Um, probably college so, texts. Probably the um, a couple really good resources outside of used textbooks, which can be a little bit mm, dry, um, mm. are uh, extension services. So like Michigan State University, um, I think Oregon State University, a lot of the other state um and like oh, yeah. Oregon uh, State's awesome they got a lot of stuff out there yeah you can you can read a lot of stuff on the extensions um and those people actually you can call them for advice they will sometimes mm -hmm. do pest id for you um and a lot of times they're free uh it's also where you can get your pesticide license and um the other thing you can do if you don't want to do a full-on like hort course or whatever you can take a master gardener program yeah. and those are usually you know they are it is coursework and you get a big old text but um it's kind of your most basic horticulture so you don't have to you know go through all of the intent you don't need a whole class on physiology you just have like you know your section on physiology and basic plant functions and stuff like that so that's a really good resource too um Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I'm sure there's tons of resources online. I've actually been thinking because I've been talking with some other folks 
about basic horticulture and bonsai and how that's one of the the biggest things that seems to hold people back um, is that they just don't understand basic plant function, but they don't really know where to go or how to how to learn it. And creating some kind of beginner's course in horticulture, like horticulture for bonsai, and hmm. um, either I think that would be a very good idea for our show going forward in the future. If you did mm -hmm. a, a hort, hort 101, hort for hort, bonsai, hort bonsai 101 with Carmon, Carm, Carmon, 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 Carmon presenting the horticulture 101 and me just kind of guessing at the things that you're going to say next because i've had a crash course in it i've uh unfortunately I'll ask you the, the questions the the review questions at the end of each chapter and there will be a test after this episode there will be a way. test um, there will be an exam and you will be graded yeah um we i mean that wouldn't be a bad idea though i really think that be a bad idea. putting horticulture first in bonsai has always been something um it's it, since I've been practicing and now that I run a bonsai nursery, which is a topic that I'll kind of uh, get into here and I'm sure we can expand on it once we get Mike back on uh, in a later episode. Um, a lot of my experiences with bonsai that when it converts over to the horticulture, horticulture side is that I had a crash course in it. Like I had mm -hmm. to learn how these things worked. Otherwise I was just going to fail. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, you can follow the, you can follow the the guidelines you can you know fertilize this amount this time of year blah 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 you can water like this blah 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 but if you don't know why you're doing it mm -hmm. then when you encounter a problem you don't really know how to solve it um yeah. Yeah. and it's harder to get optimum growth and and all that stuff because if you don't have that knowledge you don't know why your plant is doing what it's doing and that can make things really really tricky yeah, like there's no shame in, uh, like you mentioned, calling up university uh, and asking questions like about mm -hmm. what's going on with my plants, you know, because mm -hmm. I I actually had called LSU Ag Center out mm -hmm. here. It's going to be Louisiana State University Agriculture Center, which our, our Ag Center is very good compared mm -hmm. to, to some that unfortunately we don't have like a lot of like that we were talking about when we went to the uh, abs show and we saw the the denver mm -hmm. botanical garden how crazy that was oh man that's a great um, garden but we do have our louisiana um was the city park in new orleans mm -hmm. we have that as a great representation of of what we're capable of of achieving here with with agriculture and and uh and so i i made a phone call back you know, whenever I was just getting into the nursery about things like buds hardening off before fr a late frost, I remember mm -hmm. making that phone call and there was, there was no shame in it because I was worrying about optimizing and taking advantage of things. And as far as like doing a repot and being like, Oh crap, I've, I've like waked up this tree's internal clock and a frost is coming next week. And right. I had, I just had that question mm -hmm. and they'll answer it. Um, you know, generously, I was given extensions, num like number phone calls to to make to other people who had specialties in the certain plants that I was working with. Mm -hmm. um, the water testing is free here in Louisiana. I don't know about other places. Yeah, a lot of places they'll do it for free. And if you haven't had your water tested, it's definitely worth it because bones are sensitive. And if you know what's in your water, you know how to adjust it for optimum growth. 
Yep. And luckily for the nursery, we've had the nursery's water and soil tested. We have soil testing every, I think it's quarterly. So we have some. Oh, wow. Come out. Quarterly. That's amazing. Yeah. I was going to say once a year is like, no, I mean, it's good, but I guess you're growing and you have such a long growing season. It makes sense to do it quarterly. Yep. Uh, we have a long growing season and we ship trees and uh, we are a certified nursery. So there you go. someone shows up quarterly and they, they take a soil sample and then they, they report back to, I mean, they're looking for stuff like harmful nematode and, sure. you know, yeah. infections or, or stuff like you know, any other diseases that are just unique or weird. That would just be mm-hmm. awful to ship somewhere. Right. Um, so we we get that a lot. Our our water testing for the nursery was I was told by somebody in the ag center that our water is to kill for. It was mm. kind of a it was a very um interesting way to say it because for a little while there, uh me and Doug, uh the 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 nursery's Doug's brainchild, uh Douglas Green, um, he was concerned about water quality for a little while because we had something going on with fertilizer issues, it was ended mm-hmm. up just being fertilizer. It wasn't water quality. And I, I had made this phone call and he was like, so what, what's the deal with our water? Is it good or bad? And I'm like, this is, I've been told that this is drinking water, uh, quality water here. It's like well wow. water. It comes straight from, you know, one of the, the best well sources in Louisiana. Um, Amazing. That's awesome. Has, has I'm sure like in the States, um, some people may have heard of this brewery before, but there's the Abita Springs Brewery. Have you heard of them? I haven't heard of them. Um, but well, I'm there's... not super into beer, so. Yeah, there, well, there you go. For all of our beer enthusiasts out there, um, we have Abita Springs, which has Abita, the brewery, and their water source makes all of their all of our beers just chemically and mineral unique tasting beers just like anywhere else in the world where you get beers from uh like you drink a guinness from from like you the uk the actual source where the guinness comes from and someone tries to brew that same beer over here and it just tastes different and you know that's kind of how the water quality is here in louisiana it's just it's just different in that area where the nursery is located and we're, gonna we're come, fortunate gonna come drink your water oh wait right out the right, right out, out of the, the hose faucet, out of the hose at the nursery it is <laughs> It's like drinking just wow. it's it's pure. It's very good. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Unfortunately, you can't say that for New Orleans. Don't mm-hmm. don't do that. Oh yeah. Um some places in Louisiana are are, are good, but uh yeah, I know water mm-hmm. quality differs from state to state, mm-hmm. country to country, continent to continent. So yeah. test your water. Like Carmen said, plants are super sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um we grow a lot of carnivorous plants here and part of that is because our water quality is good enough to support Mm -hmm. carnivorous plants and they are even more susceptible to heavy metals Mm -hmm. and minerals that they just don't like carnivorous Uh, plants are oh man yeah they're a whole different world Uh, i got i got this did i show you my my cool little um my cool little my uh my pitcher plant in my yellow in the yellow pot did i show you that i'll have to send you a picture um it's very cool um but i wanted to say too that um oh my god oh in regards to to asking questions of people i mean how many times do we text back and forth and i text my you know co-workers back in michigan who are horticulturists all the time like 
does this look normal? What's your opinion on this? Blah, 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 mm. blah. If I don't know something, you reach out to those people who can give you a second opinion. Sometimes it's hard to find stuff on Google, but if you know somebody, um, or join our Discord so that you can yeah. ask us. <laughs> yeah. And if but- you don't know, I, I know who to ask to get you the answer. So, you know, there's always... There's always that. By the way, um, the Discord, not only do uh, me, Carmen, and, and Mike hang out in there and talk and we can answer some questions like this, but some of the people in the in our Bonsai Best Bud list are very knowledgeable people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be shy. If you if you want to talk Bonsai with people and uh, you're looking for a little community, uh, right currently it's it's uh it's little i mean we got we, i think we have 23 best buds or people hanging out in the discord that's still um, really good it's big enough i can't keep up with it so yeah so there's plenty of stuff being thrown around in there so go become a best bud um yes. and hang out so yeah, join us on, on page what is it patreon for Patreon.com. Uh, bucks to become a bonsai best bud and we'll send you the discord link and you can come chit chat with us yep and a little, and, little plug right there Shame yeah just plug. a little one um and we'll and we'll, co- <laughs> we'll come back to that later i usually wrap it up at the end but uh yeah no that we're not just plugging that just for the, the 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 channel and the show it's just it's for it's for what we were talked about like for you know don't be shy to ask things mm-hmm. of other people who have more knowledge than you in these in these topics mm-hmm. as far as hor- i mean when it comes to horticulture there is a vast amount of knowledge out there and mm-hmm. I know just enough to keep my trees happy and alive, but mm-hmm. there are moments where I have to ask Carmen or other people that I know of in our local community, because that's mm-hmm. another thing is like, keep also keep that in mind, local community, um, yeah. ag centers and horticulturists are better than someone that lives on the other side of the planet from you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> for your local folks, because they, they deal with the same conditions that you do. So they're going to maybe have run into that same problem better than somebody who you know, if I'm talking water quality here with Evan, he's got what perfect water and my water's different. So yeah. <laughs> what he does might not be what I do. And then that's, that's just at the nursery. And that's different sure. from, I live in Hammond, which is just an outlier of, of New Orleans. And it's, and the water quality here is good, but it's not yeah. the best, you know, cause right. we're, we're kind of like in this weird in-between area of the runoff from the Mississippi river. And we all know mm. how wonderful that river is. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that will do it for this episode. Join us again next time for the rest of this talk where Evan and Carmen discuss making a career out of bonsai. Don't forget for Evan, please visit underhillbonsai.com or underhillbonsai on Instagram. Carmen can be found on Instagram at becoming bonsai. You can also look into the Purple Pot Society on Instagram as well. When you're looking for our other homie, Mike Lane, head to kitsunebonesai.com or on Instagram at kitsunebonesai by Mike Lane. If you like what you're hearing on Little Things for Bonesai People, please consider contributing on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash little things for bonesai people. That's about it. Take care and we will be back soon. <laughs>